are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Right, okay then. Do, uh, that's it. Come, let's come back together. <laughs> so... Um, over the past 10 years or so, maybe, maybe longer, Mark and Bev have overseen our church on behalf of the commission. And they've seen us through eldership changes, through lots of bringing in new elders, through all sorts of different challenges and all sorts of highs and lows. And honestly, today, I kind of stand here today with a smile on my face because Mark and Bev have been a massive support to me. Like, they, they have helped me immeasurably, more than really I can put into words, in terms of just my own leadership gifting, and along with Stuart, and just standing alongside us, supporting us, being with us. They have been the difference between me being able to continue to lead the church and not, is the, is the truth of it. They have been a massive blessing to me, uh, in the short time that I've been leading Hope Church. And so it's a real great pleasure of mine to kind of be able to welcome them here today, for us to be able to hear from them. And so as we kind of, I just want to encourage you, as you get ready to hear the Word of God being preached by Mark, to soften your hearts, to be like the wise man who builds his house on the brick, on the stone, who puts it into action who allows God to shape what he does, who listens, who takes care and time, and, uh, and not to be like the foolish man who just, you know, walks away, who just doesn't really bother, doesn't care. Hey, let's be wise people today as we hear from them. So can, can we give them a massive round of applause as we, uh, as we welcome up? Yeah, come up, come up. And I'd, I'd love to pray with them both, and then I'll hand over, pray for you both, and then I'll hand over. Father God, we just want to thank you so much for Mark and Beth. Lord, I thank you for just the great joy that they are. Thank you for the just encouragement they bring to me and Catherine and Stuart and Jean. Thank you for just the wonderful leaders they are. Thank you for their church. Thank you for all that they give to commission and to our family of churches. And we just, we're so grateful to you for them. And we pray, Lord God, that you'd bless them mightily. As they come and bless us, Lord God, would you bless them mightily, we pray. In your name, amen. Well, thank you. Just great to be here with you. Really great to be here with you. Um, anything you'd like to say, Bev? Anything you want to say about us? Or... <laughs> Give me the mic. Yay. Um, yeah, just really, really great to be here. We've got history with a few of you people here, and we're just so, we just feel like family when we come here. We absolutely love it. I grew up in Woking. Um, we were planted out to Camberley by Malcolm and Pam here, and we have since moved on to Newbury and planted again. And we've always felt a little place in our hearts for Guildford because, um, yeah, because of people and because Alan and Beryl have known me since I was like, under 10. Um, so yeah, real, <laughs> real strong connections here. So thanks for having us. But also, just to let you know a bit about us, um, we have four grown-up children. Um, our oldest boy is in Canada with his wife and two little girls. And our second boy is in Brighton. And he has a wife and two children. 
and our third boy is in Farnham, and our daughter is in Winchester, and they're all part of great churches, and that is our testimony, that I was quite scared when we church planted. I was 29, had young children, and we were leaving, like, Welcome Church, it's called now, the coin then, where we were just part of that culture. And I was like a bit scared. I was taking my two children away from something that I loved. I was like, oh, Lord, you've got to help me here. I want them to grow up knowing you more than anything. And God is faithful. And he looked after us. And we had tiny little kids work. And um, a few families that were not from our same culture. But we loved Jesus and we served Jesus together. And I'm just so awesomely grateful for God because he just was faithful to us and he's looked after our kids and they're bringing up their own kids now to to love Jesus and that's good news isn't it so I um I want to thank uh, Chris and Catherine for for having us Um, I also want to thank Chris and Catherine and, and you as a church actually because back in August Chris and Catherine came to our church weekend away and it was absolutely fantastic having them they were such a blessing they they both spoke but also the way they just kind of threw themselves into the activities and the fun and the sport and and ate with us and so I want to thank you as a church for loaning them to us for that weekend because it was um it was a great blessing to us and I want to thank you in advance because they're coming back to Newbury next next month as well for a Sunday so thank you again because uh, they were such a blessing to us then and they will be next month as well and also for those of you who don't know one of the other great things about about Chris and Catherine is, is they is they help me in terms of the family of churches in the home counties as well what we call the home counties hub I said I would only I would only kind of lead the home counties hub if I had a, a team of people to help me do that and that and that would include Chris and so I want to thank Chris for helping oversee churches as well. And thank you, because you've been part of that as, as a church family as well. And, and in that too, you, you, you may not know, particularly if you're kind of new to the church, but, but Malcolm and Pam are, are, are part of that as well. Um, as Beverly said, the reason Beverly and I went first to plant the church in, in Camberley was, was because of Malcolm and Pam. I think he'd got fed up of me in Woking and sent me to Camberley. <laughs> And then, and then encouraged us to to plant again into into Newbury. So, so I do want to thank Malcolm and Pam for their investment in us, and and in our life, and in our family, and in our ministry. But also to thank you as a church because you you're releasing Malcolm and Pam as well because they still serve the family of of churches called Commission. And so, it's just fantastic that you as a church are so generous in giving of of in terms of ministry in terms of men and women, to, to us and Newbury and the whole kind of commission family. So I wanted to thank you for that. So you've probably found Exodus chapter 16 in your, in your phone or Exodus chapter 16 in the Bible. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to um, start reading just, just to remind us a little bit of Exodus 15, actually. I'm just going to start there. So if you want to... If you read from Exodus 15, 27, I'm just going to start there and read. We, won't, we probably won't have time to go through the whole of 16, but we'll see how we get to. So verse 27 of the previous chapter. So Exodus 15, 27. Then they came to Elim, where there were 
12 springs and 70 palm trees. 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they camped there near the water. The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you will Know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in a cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thick flakes of frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much some little, and when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it till morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. 
I'll pause there. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray now that you'd really help us to hear your voice, to understand what you're saying to us through, through this amazing passage. Amen. So for, for those of you who, who are visiting or are new to the church or haven't been to a church like this before, and we're doing a series, that means over a number of weeks, we, we're going through the book of Exodus. Exodus is that amazing story that most of us will know anyway, where the people of Israel, sometimes called the children of Israel, came out of slavery in Egypt. You might have seen the Christian Bale film, where he, where he is Moses. So, so this is what the film is, 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 is based on, this series of true events that really happened. And so we find that the, at this juncture, the people of Israel have just left the five-star spa of what we've just read, where all the palm trees were, where the oasis were. They, they've had this amazing time. This is kind of beautiful rest time, if you like, in the, in the spa town. And now they've been led into the desert, into the desert of sin. Sometimes it's called the, the wilderness of sin. So I'm just going to show you a little picture. Gina put up a picture of where, where it is. This isn't the wilderness of sin. Um, this is the wilderness of sin. Okay, just to kind of show you where it is. Just to kind of, for the Bible geeks like me, who kind of want, well, where is it? And how far is it from so-and-so? What does it look like? And how big it is? Those kind of questions that I'm asking. So this just kind of gives you a clue where it was in terms of the wilderness of sin or the desert of sin, as it was called. So that just gives you a bit of a clue as to where it was. In case you were wondering what the other photo was, um, Gene will put that up for you now. Because one of the great things about, about today is we can find all sorts of information, can't we, about, about the Bible and passage in the Bible. And I thought, oh, I wonder, I, wonder, I wonder what Exodus 16 in Google says. <laughs> and this is Exodus 16. <laughs> You can even see in the corner there, you see it's called Exodus 16. Yeah, this camper van will provide you for everything you need. <laughs> On your journey through the desert or anywhere else, I guess. You see all these kind of bits come out from the side of the camper van. So the next, or you can buy one for the Commission Festival. <laughs> I mean, it sounds to me, I was saying to Beverly, I want to come with you to the Commission Festival. After all the things that that Chris said, you can have free when you come to the commission festival. Like, what? Transport is free, tent is free, food is free, you get a Rolex watch, you get Gucci shoes. If you come with Chris, you will have everything forever, for all of your life, if you book in to the commission festival. He will take you to Antigua on holiday afterwards. And... If you book in to Comfest with Hope Church Guildford, you will get, because Chris told me, he will buy you one of these. <laughs> and so, so they're led into the wilderness. They're led into the desert of, desert of sin. This, this is where God, God leads them. And you think, why, 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 why does God do that? What? They, they've had this beautiful time at the Oasis, and now they're in the, and now they're in the desert. Now they're in the wilderness have you noticed that sometimes God leads you into bountiful places and beautiful places gorgeous places peaceful places refreshing places and sometimes barren places dry places difficult to understand 
places. You, you might be in a personal desert now, even. You, you might be in a physical desert where you've got physical challenges, where you've had that diagnosis and it's, there's no kind of end to it. There's kind of sometimes like no end to the desert. I, I, I've lived on the edge of two deserts. As a boy, I lived on the edge of the Sahara Desert. And as a teenager, I lived on the edge of a desert in, in the Middle East, in, in Iran. And by nature, they're dry. They're barren. They are endless. They're inhospitable. They're difficult places to be. I, I have a permanent eye condition because of living in the desert because of the heat and the dust and not because I didn't as a child and as a teenager wear good sunglasses all the time. I'm marked physically by the desert. Maybe, maybe you're in a physical desert. Maybe you, it's just painful. It's just difficult. This treatment, this diagnosis, this uncertainty, this, this pain. When, when will it end? This physical desert, that... That I'm in. You might be in an emotional desert. Once pre-COVID, you were vibrant, you enjoyed parties, you'd enjoy being in a group setting, you had lots of emotional resilience, but somehow COVID has sapped you, lockdown sapped you, anxiety has crept in. Even this morning, even coming to church this morning is a difficult thing. Coming into a room of people is a difficult thing. You, you're still recovering emotionally, feeling your emotional barrenness, emotional dryness, the emotional desert of COVID. You still haven't quite got the dust out of your system. You're, you're not alone in that. Maybe you're in a relational desert. Maybe that relationship, that that you're in, maybe it was once bountiful, maybe it was once romantic, it was like being at the oasis, it was like being on honeymoon all the time and, and now the freshness has gone, the palm trees have gone, the, instead it's dry, it's barren, the, the romance has gone, the spark has gone. Maybe you're just in a spiritual desert, Maybe in a spiritual desert, maybe just you once knew real joy in God, real peace in God, real gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing. And, and now, for whatever reason, you're not quite sure, but it's just not the same. You're feeling dry, feeling, feeling cracked. Your soul feels dry, barren, that barrenness of, of soul. There can be all kinds of deserts that we might find ourselves in some of our own making because sometimes the desert that we find ourselves in is our own making because of sin because of neglect you can you can choose to come out of that of that desert yourself and go back to the place of watering the place of where you met God but even in the desert place here's the thing isn't it even in the desert place even in the desert place God had not neglected his people had he he hadn't neglected his people. He was still watching. He was still hearing. Hearing their grumbling, even. Hearing their, even their grumbling, even. 
And so we hear them. They, they seem to forget Exodus 3. When I read Exodus chapter 3, it says this. God heard their groaning and their cries and their prayers in slavery. And now what are they doing? They seem to think that being in Egypt was an all-you-can-eat buffet. They seem, they seem to have forgotten what it was like in Egypt. They seem to have forgotten the slavery. Oh, if only we had pots of meat to eat. When you, when you read numbers, if you kind of fast forward, it'll be an interesting study for you to do yourself. The next time they complained about their diet, two years later, almost to the day when they start complaining, because they say, oh, we've had enough of this, had enough of manna, had enough of this bread. If only we had cucumbers and garlic. I think cucumbers and garlic, I think I could do without cucumbers and garlic. But they, of course, they'd forgotten. They, how quick they were to forget weren't they? What have they just seen? They've just seen the most incredible demonstrations of the power of God ever in history. They've seen plagues of boils, plagues of gnats, plagues of flies, plagues of bloods, plagues of hail, plagues of darkness, plague on the firstborn. They've seen a sea open before one and a half million people to walk through. There's a mountain of water on one side, a mountain of water on the other, and they've walked through on dry ground. And now they're saying, I'd like to have that Egyptian buffet. <laughs> how, how quick, how quick are they to forget? The Lord leads, and sometimes he leads into the desert. But in the desert, God hears. He hears their voice. He even hears their grumbling. Have you got my grumbling? Have I got a grumbling on some of my points, Gene? Have I got leading, hearing, grumbling slide somewhere? Oh, here we are. The grumbling one. So, so God leads them. God, God hears them. God, God hears them. It's astonishing, isn't it, that, that God hears our voices. This is a wonderful truth about God, isn't it? He, he hears your voice. When, when we come to pray in a moment, he's listening to you. I love that verse in Psalms where it says, The Lord inclines his ear towards those who pray. That, that's going to happen in a moment. That, that's a picture of what God does. So when Alan prays in a moment, the Lord God Almighty is going to turn his ear to listen to Alan pray and listen to you and I pray. Brothers and sisters, it's so comforting, isn't it? It's so comforting to know that God hears us, isn't it? God, God hears our voice. I... Um, I was out for a walk recently with um, a friend, Oliver Beckerleg, and uh, we were out walking. And, and as we were out walking, we were walking from my, my little village outside Newbury, Speen, to the next village, Bagnor. And, uh, and as we were walking along, there was a lady with a stick, and she was doing this in the bush. She was, she was poking, poking the bush with her stick. And I thought, that's odd. 
what, 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 is she, what is she doing? Now, at that point, you have a decision to make, don't you? You either kind of just kind of ignore it and just kind of walk on, or you stop. Well, I did feel it was time to stop, and I had to say to the lady, are you, are you um, is that really kind of silly question, you know, when you say, are you all right? She said, no, no, I'm not. I said, what's happened? What's happened? She said, I've lost my bracelet. I said, oh, no, that's terrible. What happened? She said, we walked from Newbury to Bagnor, which is about a mile, and somewhere last night I lost my bracelet. And I don't know where it is. It's not in the restaurant. It's not at home. I can only imagine it's somewhere in this grass verge, which is a mile long. And I said, oh, no, that's terrible. That's terrible. So I said to Oliver, I said, Oliver, we're going to have to pray. We're going to have to pray for this lady and pray that we find the bracelet. So I said to this lady, what does the bracelet look like? She said, oh, it's silver. It's got special engraving. It's really precious. It was the first gift ever my husband gave me. Now, to be honest with you, I was thinking, as the words were coming out of my mouth, I said to her, where do you, where do you live so when I find the bracelet, I can bring it to you? And as those words came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I, was like, I was thinking to myself, fat chance. I was thinking, it's a mile-long hedge. I haven't got my glasses. <laughs> I'm in big trouble. So she told me where she lived. So, um, so I was like, oh, God, please help us find the bracelet. Please, please, God, <laughs> help us find the bracelet. Anyway. She went off, Oliver and I walked along. So I'm trying. What's so funny? <laughs> so, we're, so we're literally walking along, and I keep looking into the hedge, and I keep looking into the hedge, and I'm looking where my feet are going, and I'm, I find a crisp packet. That's not very helpful. And I'm praying, Oliver and I praying, God, please, please, so that this lady will know that you are the Lord. Where, you know, could you bring us, show us, where is this, where is this bracelet? Halfway to my house. I look down and suddenly something catches my eye. And I picked down, reached down and picked up a silver bracelet. So I'm like, Oliver, look, look, we found that lady's bracelet. Now we have to go round to her house and give it to her. So I went home, got Bev, said Bev told Bev the story. She's like, what? <laughs> so, so knock on the door, big house, knock on the door. I, lady opens her, I just kind of stand there and open my palm. Well, it was like a volcanic eruption of emotion. <laughs> it was literally, it was, like a, it was like a kind of, you know, those sitcoms and they tell you, she's kind of, explodes in this kind of squeal and yell and tears all at the same time. And she shouts for her husband, she shouts for her kids, look, 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 the man, the man has found my bracelet. She's crying, her husband is hugging her, the kids are looking bemused, I'm standing there feeling embarrassed. (laughs) Beverly's in the car just kind of looking at me. (laughs) Come in, come in, she says, come in. I said, Bev, come in, come in. She wants us to go in. crying she's so happy she's ecstatic and then she said how did you do that how did you do that did you have a metal detector and I said no I had something better she said you had something better than a metal detector I said yes I know this might sound strange to you but the prayer that we prayed God answered the prayer 
God helped me find your bracelet to bring it to you today, that you will always know how much he loves you and cares for you. And every time you put this bracelet on now, you won't just think about your husband. You will think about your father in heaven who loves you. See, God, I'm just using that as an example of you know, God hearing. God, God heard me in my desperation. It, to be honest with you, I didn't have great faith. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> and I think, God did it. But now, I know also that God doesn't always hear our prayers, does he? Or doesn't always hear our prayers in the way we think. We think we're praying from A for B and God answers with L and L goes to D and doesn't go to B because he's doing something else along the way. I'm on Alpha at the moment with a friend of mine who's, who tells me he's an atheist. And this week, um, Alpha is a really good course to help people understand Jesus and the gospel and and this week was on prayer and it's the new videos and I've seen it before but it's so moving I'm using this example of God hearing but doing something else and it's the one where Nicky Gumbel tells the story of how he's how he's playing squash with his best friend and and he's in the squash court with Mick and Mick delivers a, a backhand drive down the line and then looks at Nicky and drops down dead and then Nicky Gumbel is praying for his friend not to die, to come back to life. And, and his friend dies in front of him. His best friend dies in front of him on the squash court. And then he has to go and see his wife and five children, aged five to 18, and tell them what has happened. Sometimes we don't know why God doesn't answer the prayer that we pray but then Nikki says I had to make a decision that day that I was still going to pray and not give up praying and still trust God brothers and sisters let's let's cultivate our conversation with God Let, let's keep talking to him let's be acquainted with his voice Let's be familiar with the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Let's make sure that we are spending time with the God who, who hears. So God leads, God, God hears. God, God was testing them in the desert, wasn't he? It was curious that he was, he was testing them in the desert. Just, just kind of turn with me to, to Deuteronomy 8, because Deuteronomy 8 helps us to understand so it goes genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy and deuteronomy 8 just just helps us to understand all this and all that was going on so so here is moses speaking to the people this is like a long long sermon deuteronomy it's like a long long history lesson moses reminding the people what has happened then he says be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised and oath to your ancestors. Here we go. Verse two, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble 
and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, God tested them, but he also provided for them, didn't he? I mean, that, that's the kind of essence of this story. When you, if you say Exodus 16, they say, oh yeah, that's when the manna comes and God's providing for his, providing for his people. And he does, doesn't he? But, but the test was, you know, will you trust me? And will you trust me daily? Will you, will you trust me every day? They weren't to hoard it. They were to gather bread for that day, weren't they? For that day. So, in other words, God wants us to trust him daily for our reliance to be upon him every day. Jesus taught us how to pray, didn't he? Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Now, that might be physical provision, but it might be what you need emotionally for today. For going to work tomorrow, give me today, God. Please give me wisdom today, God. Please give me understanding for my difficult boss who seems to be on the edge today. Please give me success, God, in this sale. Please give me patience with these children in my classroom. Please give me wisdom in the medical decisions I have to make today. Whatever is the, your place of work, it might be as a student, God, please help me today. Please give me my bread of discipline to discipline my time today to help me get this assignment done on time. Let's be those who are seeking God for our daily bread to the God who daily provides, who, who daily gives us what we need. At the moment, I don't know about you, I'm just so grateful. Beverly and I, one of our commonest prayers at the moment is just thanking God around the breakfast table, around the lunch table, around, around the dinner table. We have, a, we, have a, we have a refugee living with us at the moment from obviously from another nation. And one of the things that she finds interesting about us is prayer. <laughs> because we explained to her that at the beginning of the meal, we will sit down and before we have the meal, we will, we will pray and we'll thank God for, for the meal. And we might pray for one or two other things. We might pray for you. We might pray for your family and the country you've come from. Is that okay? She says, so of course, when, when I pray, when Beverly prays, she just kind of looks and just kind of watches, kind of, just kind of in, inquisitive. You see, and I, and I remember that. I, I remember the first time I heard someone pray. I was, I was at school, and, I was, and the PE master invited, invited me and my friend round to his house for dinner. And that was unusual in itself. And then just before the meal, he said, I'm going to say grace now. I'm going to thank God for the food, okay? I said, yeah. And he just prayed a prayer, thanked God for the food, as we would. And I can remember looking at him thinking, he really thinks someone's listening. <laughs> and, that, and that was a moment for me, that, that my PE teacher prayed to God. And I'll never forget that moment when he prayed to God and something happened that was part of my significant journey because I'd never heard it before I'd never seen it before so when we have people around for a meal when you have people around for a meal 
when you're providing a meal for people, don't, don't be afraid to say grace and just let God do what he does by his Holy Spirit. So God is providing for them in the desert daily. And then, and then lastly, this is an echo now of this. So turn with me to the New Testament, which is John's Gospel. So if you can turn with me to John's Gospel, let me just show you what, what, it, what it says here. So John's Gospel. So the Gospels go Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So those are the narratives about about Jesus and his life. And if you look in chapter 6 of John's Gospel, you can find there there's a paragraph that's called Jesus, the bread of life. So we're going to read from verse 28. It says this, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So, so as, as I draw to a close, let's... Let's remind ourselves of this wonderful truth that when it comes to daily bread and daily provision, we, we do thank God for our material bread and muesli in the morning. We do thank God for our cold milk in the fridge and our shelves stacked by groceries. We thank God for those things, but we come to Jesus, our living bread, daily. The Israelites gathered the manna every morning. We come to Jesus every morning. The bread of life. The real manna. The real bread that we need for life. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe, maybe you just came to church because it's a good thing to do, which it is. Maybe a friend brought you, which is great. Today might be your day of coming to Jesus for the first time and saying, actually, Jesus, I don't want to live my life for myself anymore. I want to live my life for you. I want to follow you, Jesus. I do. I want to follow you, Jesus. I can see, Jesus, that I need to follow you. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe that's your decision today. 
Maybe you're one of those in the desert. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're, um, Jean, if you could put up that last slide about just asking you the question, are, are you in the desert? Are you in a desert place, a physical desert, an emotional desert, a relational desert, a spiritual desert? Maybe, maybe that's you today. Well, have, have hope because manna is coming in the morning. Manna is coming in the morning for you to gather. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.